0: How's it going, everyone? Welcome to episode eight of the Duke Nation podcast for the 2022-23 season. As always, I'm your host, Dan Labriola, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick Porras. Nick, how's it going? Good, good. I'm glad to be back. We missed the ACC
1: tournament, but got some big dubs and we, we finally got an old man to join the pod with us
0: yeah so for those of you who are not i don't know maybe we'll put this on youtube as well we'll see um but we are also joined by mr duke nation or the duke nation himself ryan loman ryan welcome back to the show
2: thanks man it's been a few years i feel like um <laughs> to be back on the show that uses my name but it's good to be back i'm i'm glad uh and
0: I'm, this is a great time of year so i chose a good time to, to do it so absolutely so for everybody listening Uh, We do have another jam-packed episode for everyone. We're going to briefly recap the ACC tournament where Duke did go on to win the championship, and then we'll preview uh, Duke's round of 64 matchup against the Golden Eagles of Oral Roberts. So with that being said, we can jump right into things and start off as we did on the last show with a bit of banter about Duke and the direction of the team uh, and the direction that the team is heading towards. So when we last did the show... Duke was coming off of four straight wins, and they have not lost since logging wins against NC State, UNC, and then in the ACC tournament, Pitt, Miami, and then UVA to claim the ACC tournament title. With all of that being said, Ryan, I will start with you. What are your thoughts on this team currently as they're set to play their first round matchup in less than 24 hours?
2: Yeah, I'm just like shocked that Duke is where they're at. To be completely honest with you, like two months ago, I never would have expected us to be a top five seed. Um, and now on Selection Sunday, we were vying for us to be a, a top four seed. Even like I feel like some of us were caught off guard when they weren't a four seed. And if you look at some of the teams in front of Duke, uh, I think we probably deserved a shot over the likes of Virginia and uh, Indiana, uh, maybe even Tennessee as well. Like teams that were playing better then, and we beat UVA as well. So to be seated below them is um, is not up to what I would have expected. So, uh, I, but I think it's just it's fun to be in this situation to have a team that's winning nine in a row. Like, I don't know if it's like the, the greatest thing to come into March Madness hot, but with this team who is super young with a new coach and everybody's figuring it out, this seems like a different type of hot. This seems like a team that just figured it out, not just like going on a a, a luckish run that's gonna gonna flame out in March. It just seems like the chemistry's there. The coaching staff kind of has um, everything figured out now that they've kind of, they've had basically a full season under their belt. So I'm excited for it. Uh, And I'm not as scared as Oral Roberts as a lot of people are. And uh, I I think it'll be a fun game, but I'm not worried about it. So uh, how about you, Nick?
1: Yeah, no, I think I completely agree. I think when me and Dan were doing this back in January, we were like talking about eight, nine, maybe even 10 seed territory and to be a five Obviously, you know, it's wonderful based on, you know, even even a few weeks ago they were like in the seven range. So I think um, definitely we're disappointed not be, to be a four. I think Ryan hit it pretty well in the head. Right when Virginia was a four, I was like, well, that's not good because they don't deserve that seed. So, um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think, again, this is a team that looks like a, you know, a real contender, you know, for the first time, you know, really all year over the past, you know, a few weeks. So um, definitely turned a corner. Um, and, you know, it's obviously exciting to be in the situation. Um, you know, we'll get into the game, I'm sure, here in a second. But, you know, I didn't hate the draw, you know, besides the Oral Roberts game. But, I mean, overall, in general, I think, you know, you got what you could ask for in regards to if you asked any Duke fan who would you want to play as a one or who would you want to play as a four, I think that the two answers are who they got, quite honestly.
0: Yeah, I I definitely agree and uh sort of to bring it all back and we know that I'm I'm the stats guy when it comes to this podcast but I'm not going to start with the stats because that's too boring. Uh this team has seriously gelled and they found their rhythm. Even in ugly games like against uh the championship game against UVA where it was ugly, you could still tell that there was something there that the offense was doing just enough and the defense was doing as much as they really could do that entire game that you could see that they had gelled. They had all come together and realized what their roles were on the team and how to best play their roles. And they showed an ability to not only win the low-scoring games, like the ACC tournament title game, but high-scoring games, like uh, one that we wouldn't have seen earlier on in the season, like they did in the semifinal against Miami. Um, And like I said, it's not something earlier in the season that, we would have seen Duke win a shootout. That's just not where their offense was. They were nothing short of clunky and really difficult to watch uh, in all honesty. And uh, now, now I'll get into, into some stats because I think it, it paints it a little bit well uh, that over this winning streak or the nine games that they've won, they're averaging 75 points per game, shooting 49% from the field and 36% from three. That's, that's amazing. That's great, especially considering where they were earlier on in the season. And we were talking about Tyrese Proctor shooting in the teens for from three-point uh, range and Jeremy not shooting well. It really, it's come down to, uh, to me at least, the one stat that stuck out the most is 16 assists on 27 made field goals per game. They're moving the ball well. That gets into the whole, what everyone's been talking about with Tyrese Proctor running the point. Having Jeremy play off the ball. You can see it there. The offense is just running much better. And then defensively, they're only teams are only shooting 39% from the field against Duke. So they're doing, they're doing their job altogether.
2: Yeah, it's clicking on both ends. And I think like the thing with me is when you play Virginia and you beat them by double digits, it's like beating any other team by by 20. I feel like they beat them by 10. Virginia's only other double-digit loss this season came. Surprisingly, at Boston College, I couldn't find another one where they lost by double digits. Uh, so losing any all, out of other losses to only lose by double digits twice and one of them to be probably a fluke game on the road. I don't recall that one back in February, but uh, beating a defensive team like that by 10 uh, is, is like beating anybody else by 20. And so being able to hold them to low points like you should, but then also score almost 60 uh, is was impressive in my in my mind. And to add on to your stats, um, I'll give a shout out to, at Brotherhood CBB on, on Twitter. He tweeted this out today and I retweeted it. But um, over that nine-game winning streak, a plus 112-point differential, 4-0 against tournament teams. We've trailed in the second half for a total of three minutes and 36 seconds in those nine games. Um, eight separate runs of eight, 8-0 or more, and we only lost one half of basketball in those nine games. So in the 18 halves we played, we've won 17 of them. Um, and then some from like individual stats, like you mentioned from a shooting standpoint, Tyrese Proctor in those nine games is shooting 42% from three. And I think his overall, actually, it's like 43%, 42.9, which is up. He was at one point shooting in the twenties. Uh, and now is up, I think at 32 Derek, uh, or excuse me, Derek Whitehead is shooting uh, 48% from three, which like who saw that coming from like a sharpshooter standpoint out of high school. Um, him coming, being the six, I guess you could call him the sixth man, um, off the bench is kind of crazy to be that guy. Uh, and so those. Those two like stand out a lot to me, and then you have Mitch, Mark Mitchell, who shot six of sixteen from three as well, and who I think is playing some of his best basketball he's played all season. He's a guy who's being able to get a, get to the rim basically whenever he wants, and I feel like most of the time he's he's the majority of the time he's making those shots. He has a nice touch around the rim, which if when you see him shoot a basketball, look, he has absolutely no touch. But when he gets around the rim, um, I feel like he he excels there. So. Those are a uh, few of the things I wanted to shout out there this last nine-game winning streak and then uh, some of the improvements that these players have made is, is quite impressive.
0: Yeah, honestly, I think you said it perfectly there. Is, uh, and, and it gets into something that we've seen and we've been talking about uh, really in the last podcast but then has really been shown throughout this entire nine-game stretch is it's not one person. And and like you said, Duke doesn't have, have that kind of team where it can be just one person it has to be everyone and uh this is a, a good segue into the acc tournament because it seems like at least in the first two games uh against pitt and against miami was everybody contributing everybody in double digits except for maybe one person um, everybody doing their job and that's really what it came down to but we can get into more depth than that now. So we'll just briefly touch on the ACC tournament. Uh, We're not going to go into too much depth and dive into each game because it doesn't really mean much now as we get into the NCAA tournament, but it is good to look back and see what they did well and uh, sort of how they were able to get to this point where they've won nine in a row. So obviously Duke came away with the championship, which to me is just, a really terrific accomplishment for this team who uh including from us here on this podcast had a bunch of criticism uh that they've dealt with throughout the season saying that the team wasn't good enough and and this and that which i still stand by at the time they were not good enough uh but they've really kicked it into gear and nick i'll start with you what were some of your takeaways from the acc tournament
1: i mean there's just so many even. I think Proctor, obviously, as Ryan said, was huge. I mean, the other thing too is even lively offensively. I mean, this guy wasn't even looking to score the ball. You know, uh, back. I'm just thinking about games like. I mean, like you think about when they played at Boston College back in January. He was such a non-factor. He was just kind of out there, just running around, not really doing a whole lot. Wasn't even looking at the basket. Um, just him, even doing a post move. You know, going up strong. That's stuff that was not happening. You know, a month, a month and a half ago. So, that was awesome. I think, I think Mark was really consistent as well all tournament. Um, and, and I think we, you know, one thing too that we kind of noticed, Dan, going back, I forget which, which pod it was. I think it was two pods back. When we saw Shire kind of officially shrink their rotation, right? Like Blake's yeah. had some games where he was playing a little, but then he wasn't. And even now, I mean, I think the Grandison play was three minutes on Saturday. Is that right? So I think yeah. even then, I mean, they're playing seven guys. Young minutes, young's minutes have been cut down, which I think it's kind of how it should have been maybe, you know, we look back and if Duke's able to go in a run, we say maybe Shire handled it the right way. He played eight or nine guys most of the year, cut the rotation down when it mattered, and, you know, guys stayed fresh. Um, I think they're just gelling well. I mean, again, even when guys were in the lineup coming off injuries, you know, or being out of the lineup, there was just no cohesion really at all. I mean, they finally know their roles, know who they are. Um, you know, I think that, I mean, the offense just looks so much better than where it was back in January. Um, I mean, there's been you know, some rough patches. Obviously, I mean, Virginia's a great defensive team. The Carolina game was, you know, kind of up and down um, in regards to scoring. But I think in general, they're just such a more consistent team. And I guess we're going to really find out, is this a byproduct of the ACC being down or is this, you know, truly a Duke team that can actually win a national championship? Um, you know, so that'd be exciting to see, you know, um, you know, according to this Wednesday, tomorrow it's Oral Roberts to see really how far this team has
2: come. Ryan, what you got? Yeah, I think with the ACC tournament, Nick kind of covered most of it there, uh, and I, I agree with all that. The, the fact that this team even like ha- had the swagger in them to go uh, after the season they've had and kind of have that chip on their shoulder is something that was cool to see and something I hope they carry into this tournament because, like we said, uh, pre-recording this, the fit, like it seems like either people are picking us to go to the Final Four and win it all or you're picking us to lose, like there's no in-between, just kind of gives me that, uh hope that they're gonna still put that chip on their shoulder like no one still really believes in them like they're still only a five seed they're getting the best 12 seed match or the the worst 12 seed matches they could have gotten yada 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 have all this uh background noise going on just a lot of whiteboard material right for for shire and staff so um and to be frank like it's i think it's warranted too like this oral roberts team isn't to be something to be to mess around with but um yeah as far as ac tournament goes uh it was it was fun to watch it was fun to see the team click. Um, and, and I, I love your point about Derek Lively. Like, it just seems like him, the two man game with him and Flip uh, has just flourished now. And Proctor, the way he's running the point, I know that, that change they made to take him uh, or put Roach off the ball and, and put Proctor on the ball was a little while ago. But now you can see that gelling, and Proctor's kind of coming into his own. And you kind of see what you saw when he was playing in those FIBA events and over with Australia. You see the craftiness, you see the assist machine can be. So it's, that, that was promising, and you need. Uh, you need two guards and NCAA tournament to go far. And I think Duke has two guys uh, say what you want about Proctor. He should be in high school, but his experience is different than anybody else's right now in the tournament, having that international game. And so pair that with Roach, who has last year's experience. That's, that's a pretty damn good backcourt to take into March. So
0: that is, that. that's a, that's a great point. It's a great backcourt. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, the first thing that I want to bring up is that pick game. I know it was the first game, but, that kind of that set the tone for everything. They just absolutely blitzed pit. They had no chance really whatsoever. I was probably like including all of the games of this season. And I've said this so many times on this podcast this year, but it was probably the most impressive that I've that I've seen this Duke team just from a complete standpoint of the whole game just was never close. They absolutely blitz them. They put up ninety six points, which is just absurd. Like, that's like what? How many points did Duke put up against Kentucky when they had Zion and RJ? Like they had one hundred eighteen, or over so, something like yeah, something crazy. But like, we're in that realm for this Duke team. I would have never expected that. Um, and and I think my favorite part of the tournament in general, and looking back on it now, is there's not much analysis to do because the entire team did so well it was really just awesome to see and I think that's really been the key for the winning streak in the ACC tournament and before as a whole is you're seeing Duke's starting five specifically being great and not not even just being good that as a whole the five of them together are being great they're led by flip who's phenomenal inside and has started to hit some outside jump shots there was a good like month span there where he just wasn't hitting anything from from the outside that was really concerning but he seems to be picking his spots more and actually knocking them down which is making a huge difference and they're also getting him the ball inside which is just something that i think we've been clamoring for this whole season because um, yes you're going to get some charges yes you're going to get some uh misplays or uh, where he loses the ball things like that but the the potential there is so huge for his offense and then you add in proctor who we've talked about we add in uh roach who's been off the ball who's been absolutely terrific in a scoring role and i think that's exactly what he needs to do is be in that scoring role he's not a true point guard so really well done by the coaching staff there and then like we said adding mark mitchell and Derek lively they've played their roles perfectly and this is something that has been brought up on some of the on some of the broadcasts as well is that duke had that team meeting that players only meeting after they got absolutely blown out by miami um In Coral Gables where everyone kind of just sat down and said, okay, we all need to play to our roles and know what our roles are and basically star in your role. And I think we see that most easily with a player like Mark Mitchell, who went from being incredibly passive, like his drives to the basket had no intention whatsoever. He was only taking wide open jump shots. And now you can see that He's driving with a purpose. He's taking not only just corner threes, but above the break threes, which scares me a bit. But if they go in, I don't really care. Uh, and then lively, like every time that Duke gets the ball on the offensive end, he's looking to do something. It, whether it's set a really good screen, roll to the basket, get it dunk, get an offensive rebound. He's doing something. And that's just been such a huge difference. And I think that's Everything we saw in the pit game in the ACC tournament. Um, and, and my last point on the ACC tournament is that uh looking at the UVA game, I think it's a good summation of what we should be looking forward to uh going forward. and that's that the game was gross, but it doesn't matter because it was a championship game and they won the game. that that's the point where we're at in the season is, um it doesn't matter how you win it matters that you win and um it's not january anymore where we can be worried about oh yeah duke won that game or like the game against notre dame that they won uh that they won late in uh in cameron that was a that was a game that we were they won but we were still worried about because the offense didn't look good the defense wasn't great now we're at a point where it doesn't matter it's just win the game move on play if they if they beat oral roberts on thursday play again on saturday and then if they win that game move on it doesn't matter how you do it just win and and win that one game tournament basically Exactly. is there anything else anybody wants to add on the acc tournament or anything before we get into Nick talking to us about Oral Roberts.
2: No, man, clean sweep for me. That was a good tournament. Ready to to get it done in
0: in the big (laughs) dance now. Here we go. All right. So let's get ready for uh, Duke's round of 64 matchup. Duke faces off against a team that Nick said like two or three months ago. That was like the last team that he wanted to see if Duke was a five seed, that they would be the 12 seed. He he told us this in our group chat, Uh, but Nick, we are here. It's the matchup they got. Tell us about this Oral Roberts team and why you're concerned about this matchup.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was kind of a slow, painful death on Sunday when the bracket was <laughs> revealed and just every 12. So it kept getting revealed. And I was not seeing Oral Roberts' name. And I'm like, oh, gosh. But yeah, I mean, they're awesome. I mean, offensively, they are elite. Um, I mean, I, I'd go as far as they're one of the best offenses in the country. Um, they all can shoot at any given time. I'm sure everyone remembers. Max Asemus, a few years ago, led a new Sweet 16. They upset Ohio State in Florida. Uh, At that point, he was the leading scorer in the country. He's electric. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they're dangerous. And I think, again, too, and uh, I can't remember who it was, um, had a tweet. So the the, the stat about what's called a kill shot, right? So Mm -hmm. 10 0 runs. Oral Roberts is number one in the country in, in kill shots. That tells you anything. Now, you know, they played up a few times in competition this year and the games didn't go well. I think the common denominator with all of them, you know, they played Houston, got absolutely blasted. You know, obviously that's Houston. So, you know, that happens to a lot of teams. Um, St. Mary's, they lost that one. New Mexico, uh, they lost that one in Utah State. Now, all of those games were fairly high scoring, I think, if that tells you anything. So, you know, defensively, um everyone's saying they're improved obviously they got the arkansas transfer van every seven five that's not a normal size player in a in major conference now he's also a string bean he's not the strongest guy but he can shoot three so the pick and pop stuff is going to be dangerous they're going to shoot a lot of threes they don't turn the ball over um it's going to be a high scoring game i really do think it is um what's going to be interesting to me is do they decide to play zone you know my two biggest concerns for duke and you guys can kind of what you think. Because I've gone back and forth all week, right, about how, what's Ryan Young's role in this game? Can he play in this game? Because, you know, from a pick-and-pop standpoint, that's an absolute nightmare. If he's guarding Van Ever the pick and the pick-and-pop with him and Ace miss, you know, how do they guard that? On the other hand, it's like this whole Roberts team, they set up in class against some physical teams, you know, like Houston, and they got absolutely bullied. So, you know, can he be an impact on the offensive glass? You know, is that a thing that could, could happen? You know, that'd be my first concern. My second concern is, from a defensive standpoint, if they do play zone, you know, are they going to camp Van Ever in the paint? Because, I mean, again, while Lively can shoot threes, we have not seen that really all year. I mean, he hit one against Pitt, and he shot some. He hasn't really looked comfortable all year shooting them. You know, we, we know, and at the next level, I'm sure that's going to be an awesome part of his game. But right now, it's not something that we would classify as a defensive possession. You know, we just wouldn't. So, if they if they play zone, are they going to camp Vanover in the paint? You know, if they don't play zone, you know he's going to guard lively. Is that going to be an issue for Duke to drive the ball to the basket? You know, so those are my two biggest concerns. Is you know the pick and pick and roll defense? You know, obviously from you know offensive standpoint, how do they how do they get Vanover out of the paint? Right? How do they stretch the floor? How do they get him in that you know defensive you know um, you know sense so to speak? So I think it's a fascinating game. Um, you know, and again, they're going to – I mean, they are elite offensively. If you go – I mean, Kempom makes this game you know, a three-point Duke win. I mean, he has not top 60, you know, in Kempom. And I get the Summit league wasn't very good this year, but I mean, this is a team that hasn't lost a game since January. They lost one since Thanksgiving. You know, and as Ryan said, you hear one of two things, you know. Duke's going to the Final Four. Duke's losing first round. I don't know if it's biased against people that's not – I mean, not to be honest, no one's rooting for Duke. So let's not act like they're going to get the benefit of the doubt from the, from the media um but i mean it's obviously it's, it's a dangerous team and you know what you don't want to see in the tournament is teams that can shoot and make a lot of threes with a dynamic scorer
2: and that's what Or roberts has yeah and i think the nice thing about and i everything you said is completely accurate that what i'm about to what i'm going to say about my thoughts i have nothing against like i understand everybody's takes and i've seen them all on twitter i've seen the videos and everything like that i just think the way my, I always go back to the way Duke has been playing the last few weeks, and that's that's The three-point defense has been stellar; has been better than it has been all year. Tyrese Proctor's defensive ability has been has flourished the last few weeks. So you put him on max. Uh, I, I don't see Ryan Young playing more than ten minutes in this game just to give Lively some breathers. Like you just can't. Like there's he's not going to be able to go out there and disrupt Vanover. Vanover can drive around him. He's just going to end up taking hack fouls every time. So like I, I don't think you're going to see that much. Um, I'm very interested to see what happens when they do do the pick and pop. Like who are they going to switch? Are they just going to put a a guard out there and he can shoot over a guard obviously, but you can fluster a seven, five guy who can't dribble pretty easily. So like, do you, how how do you, I'm interested to see how they defend that. The one area of concern is if, if they got guys that just get hot and we are, if they, I'm assuming they're going to show some zone and if we're not, not knocking down shots right away and, and we're not getting out to, to defenders on switches because they're going to be switching or they're going to be doing picks, pick and rolls away from the ball or doing off what do you, what do you call it? Off ball screens or whatever. Um, and it's like making sure that we stay disciplined in those. If you watch back that NDSU game, I watched a half of it before it was like a 40 point game at halftime. And like the defense NDSU was playing was so lazy and was so worried about Vanover. It was like mind boggling. They were, they were, they fade in from the corner and come over and help on Vanover before he even had the ball. And then they dish it out of the corner and have a wide open three. It's like, how are you going to do that against the, a three point shooting team like that? Um, and so I, I just, I think if you, when it comes to the lobs and, and lively on offense, I think what you can do though is, is when you're Roach, you just, you pull up a little bit sooner. You, you have to obviously you have to put up a little more arc on it, but you still have the chance to lob or go up over Vanover or dish it to somebody else in the corner. So I just think there's so many ways to combat that seven-five guy who's not a taco fall. He's not just he can camp in the paint, but he's not uh, he's not a very fit guy. He fouls a lot. So um, from that standpoint, like there's there's a reason he sat on the bench for three years at at, an SEC school. Like there's it's not like this guy, like I said, is taco fall where you can just camp him in the paint and you can give him the ball. He's gonna turn and and dunk it. He has no post up game. Um, But I'm assuming Proctor's gonna go on uh, on on Max, which is. He's been, I don't want to talk down, but he's been a pretty damn good defender the last, uh, this, this, over this course of the last two months. And so, um, I, as long as they don't just astronomically shoot the ball at like a 60% clip from three, like I feel like Duke has a good chance of staying in the game as long as they're hitting their shots um, and just playing smart. I don't think Oral Roberts turns the ball over at a very high clip. So just be smart with the ball um, and play the way you have been. You have a really good offense and your defense has been stellar. So, like, just bank on those things to, to happen again. And I, I mean, I could see this game being close, but I just, I don't know. I, I have, I'm way too confident in this game and it's starting to scare me. <laughs> the opposite. He's the opposite yeah. of me. I, I think he
1: did bring up a good, a good point though. Van can definitely get in foul trouble. I think that changes the, I think Duke should munch on the glass. Absolutely. I mean, another thing too is I've been hearing a lot of people saying oh Roberts has improved defensively, which may be the case by the numbers, but let's be honest. They got absolutely manhandled in the games against power. I mean, the only tournament team they beat, was Texas Southern, who just got blasted by Fairleigh Dickinson. So,
2: yeah, there's some of the class, is, I yes. just, real quick. anybody anybody's defense was going to improve this year if you go into the Summit League and play. Exactly. Exactly. Your defensive numbers are going to improve. And and that was a and that was a bad league this year. I I think it was bad for
1: me. The concern though is think about you know upsets that happen in the tournament and think about how they happen. And they're always the teams that shoot threes. And this isn't a team that's just going to randomly get hot. I mean they they. They're always hot on offense, right? Now, I mean, Houston did things that other teams can't replicate, right? Like, I mean, they're physical. They are going to just maul you. They're going to get called over the back. They're going to hit you around. And I think, you know, again, that's why Ryan Young, to me, I, I don't I, – I'm so torn on him because I've been so up and down on him all year. But, like, you gotta think in a game like this, Duke has – no really experience that's played in this tournament. I mean, this is not, I mean, Roach has to carry this team. Grandison's been here before, and that's it. I mean, Ron Young has not been here with Northwestern. Blakes wasn't playing last year. And even the head coach is in his first game. You know, Oral Roberts has just as much, if not more, tournament experience, you know, which is the crazy thing to me. But I think it's just, it's tough for me to see a scenario where this is not a close game that we're sweating the entire time and that's fine i think it's gonna be very high scoring um i think it kind of has to be for roberts to win and i think you know with duke it, they got to be you know pedal to the metal the entire game you know i think they need to
2: really own the offensive glass they have all year yeah yeah I, one quick uh, dan real quick i wanted to add because you had mentioned the kill shot thing nick like, i was actually literally just looking at that like two hours ago on twitter from evan it's evan maya who does it or evan mia yeah, i don't know how you say his name but um, yeah, um great V-Calla. great stat website yeah 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 he goes by Meyer, or whatever anyways um great stat website it's it's interesting to see how how quickly they go on runs and i think like you said the key thing is duke all year has gone up by 10 to 15 and just never continued to pull away where they've allowed teams to come back and the team where you get up by 10 you could be down by two in a matter of two minutes so maybe that two minutes is exaggerating but two or three minutes and so like making sure that this team has learned a little bit from their path mistakes and keeps that foot on the gas, like you said, um, and not allowing them to get complacent when they do get up by 12. And let's say like late first half, they're up by 12 and can go into half. And, and all of a sudden halftime comes and you're only up by two. And it's, a, it's, 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 uh, it's anybody's game. And so making sure that, that when you are up, you have that foot on the gas and, and uh, don't get complacent with how the game's going.
0: Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree. It's the probably the part of the pit game that was the most impressive to me was that it was really the first time that they got up huge and they stayed up huge, and that was again Pitt's not. I mean, I I've seen some discourse on Twitter about whether or not you know if Duke were playing Pitt or or something along those lines, like comparing Pitt to Oral Roberts and it's like, okay, they're, you know, it's, it's very, very different because one is in the ACC, the other is in the summit league. But uh, nonetheless, um, I I do want to throw out some stats about Max uh, Miss because um, it's unbelievable that he's still at a mid-major school. I don't like, I I think that's awesome as someone who went to a mid-major school that it's really cool to see that someone who averages 22 points a game just decides to stay but averages 22 points a game he takes nine threes a game which is just absurd and it's not like he's just chucking them like he's making 37 percent of them so he's shooting well from the field and that's really to add to the, that to that yeah. of that damian lillard shoots 11 threes a game in an nba
2: and even the nba whose game is so much faster like it, there's so many more opportunities for damien to live yeah. shoot threes and he averages over just over 11 threes a game i think i heard on the reddick podcast today when i was listening to it it's
0: wild it's unbelievable and to average nine a game is just absurd like there were times this year where i wanted duke to take nine threes as a team in a game but now we're <laughs> at the point where obviously they've gotten better but uh, and it's not just Asmus shooting threes either. It's, it is, as Nick said, it's the entire team that uh, they averaged the third most threes this uh, made per game this season, or third most threes total this season, the fourth most attempts on threes. And they're 46th in the country in percentage at 37% as a team. Phenomenal. Absolutely phen- phenomenal. Crazy. Yeah. Um, And there is the caveat, of course, that they're playing in the Summit league. And that's what makes it sort of like the unknown where we don't know like how much can we put into those stats because the quality of competition is obviously extremely different. Like even if they were in the ACC in a down year. What do those numbers look like? But that's what makes the tournament so great is that you, you don't know. So you get worried seeing that a team is 30 and four, they've won 17 in a row and have someone who, who shoots 37% from three taking nine attempts. That's just where we're at. Um, and, And like Nick said as well, this is what makes this team incredibly dangerous is that the teams that, that make that come up with upsets in March are the ones that take a lot of threes and then they make a lot of threes. Uh, because if they get hot, like it's as simple as three is more than two. And that's, that's kind of what we get into. But the the last thing that I want to bring up for this is I have two matchups and we've already gotten into both of them, which is not surprising because we're all kind of clued into what we think um, are the key matchups for this game. For me, it's Tyrese Proctor guarding Max Miss. How is that going to go? I think I have full trust in this point in Tyrese Proctor because he has done really an unbelievable job and kind of quietly, like for a good part of the season, he was quietly a good defender. And then towards the end, it started to be mentioned on broadcast that, hey, they're putting Tyrese Proctor on the opposing team's best guard and occasionally just their best player overall and that's the kind of defender that he is. He also talks the most trash of anybody that I've seen. This whole Duke team talks a ton of trash, and I think it's just absolutely awesome. I love that. I don't know, obviously, what they're saying or what's going on, but, like, every time Tyrese hits a three, I'm like, he's just yelling in someone's face, and I think it's unbelievable. Uh, But I already talked about Max A. Smith, so we know why, and we all know why that's an important matchup. Uh, The other one we already talked about... um, is Derek Lively guarding uh, Connor Vanover, or or flip guarding Vanover? I don't think they're gonna have flip guard him just because I I just they haven't seemed to want to switch up the traditional matchup like center versus center power forward right. power forward. Um, but it's interesting because, like you said, Vanover is a seven foot five stretch five. He's not much of a post threat. Good screen setter shoots 33% from three, which is solid. Like for someone his size, especially that's, that's solid. That's really, that's really like for most of the season, we would hope that Duke would shoot 33%. Um, But there's two reasons why I find this important is one, if he's guarded by lively, like we said before, he's pulling lively away from the basket and Duke for uh, as much as, as for the entire season really has wanted to keep lively in the paint and for the most part it's worked out that they've been able to keep him in the paint, deter everybody from getting to the rim. Either he intimidates them or he actually blocks their shot as opposed to just being there and altering a shot. Uh, So if you pull him away, even just for uh, pick and pops, for just normal screens being set, uh, Kyle Filipowski is not someone who will block a lot of shots. That's not really his game. So that's what kind of makes me wonder um, that they're going to have to respect um, Vanover's ability to make shots mm-hmm. because he's not someone that you can leave open. He does take a decent amount of threes per game. So it's not like, oh, he's shooting 33%, but he takes one per game. He's taking, I believe it's three or four per game. Um, so, I mean, to be fully clear, I think Derek Lively can absolutely guard him. In the post he can guard him out on the perimeter he moves well enough that it's it's a matchup that i don't see it as being that one-on-one matchup is an issue it's really what it does to the rest of the defense and it just makes everybody have to guard a little bit more off to not to make sure that they're not driving into the lane where there is no rim protection like we've seen duke teams that have had no rim protection and we know that that doesn't go well. So that's one thing and the second is uh he's a very good shot blocker, Vanover. He averages like 3 blocks per game again, he's 7 foot 5. You're going to average a, a decent amount of blocks per game when you're when you're 7 foot 5. But it's sort of the opposite situation for Duke. Um for Duke guarding him is he's not going to have to guard Lively out on the 3 like mm-hmm. maybe once or twice he'll have to. But that's about it. Uh, because lively isn't gonna take threes, he isn't gonna take jump shots or go off the dribble unless he absolutely has to. So the thing is, can Duke get him into foul trouble? And this is what Nick was saying as well. If you can get him into foul trouble, they have their the next person who plays the most for them off the bench is I believe six foot eight.
1: Yeah, this is not a deep team either. They're not a deep team.
0: They're not a deep team, they don't have a lot of size, so if you can get Van over in foul trouble and in foul trouble early, it immediately switches the game over towards Duke where it becomes, all right, Duke has a size advantage at pretty much every position. How can we exploit that? So those are the, those are the two things for me. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Is there anything anybody wants to add? Before yeah.
2: We, I, yeah. I was going to add the, the thing about getting him in foul trouble. Even I was looking at the stats with the North Dakota state game. He played over, played 28 minutes and had four fouls in a game. They won by, uh, thirty whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So like that, that just goes to show like you can. I that's probably going to be their game plan is get flip the ball and attack the rim. Give it to Mitchell. Attack Vanover at all costs. You can't. I, I don't care if it takes the whole first half. You're going to get him out. You're going to get him in foul trouble no matter what. Just go right at it. A seven five guy isn't going to be taking charges. Like he's just going <laughs> to get hit and their his hands are going to go over you and they're going to call you for a foul. Um, the other thing I, I I want people to look out for is uh, how. With, with Asmus, how do they? Or what does Duke do when, when they come and do ball screens on him when he has the ball? So when Roach takes off on him, do they try to switch? Do they play through it? How's that going to work? Because they have uh, a guy in Isaac McBride who um, who was shot actually forty four percent from three this year. He doesn't. He's taken half the amount of threes that um, that Asmus has, but he shoots it at a better clip. And so um, he's he's uh, he's still only six two. So neither their guards are going to like from a physical standpoint are going to body. Um, Roach or or Proctor, but just like making sure that a guy like that who who can shoot the ball really well doesn't go off and hit four or five threes in the game and and interrupts Duke's game plan because we didn't think about well what about this guy who still shoots it at a forty some percent clip so just making sure that that's the case attack Van over make sure Roach still at least is competent defensively against McBride and and I think it's a it's a wrap.
1: Yeah, I mean I, one more thing. Sorry, I wanted to add one more thing. Um, you know, I think foul trouble is going to really decide this game for multiple reasons. Really, obviously, because who gets in at A and B. Both these teams are fantastic with the foul line. I mean, Oral Roberts is top 10 in America at free throw shooting. Duke is top 25, which I feel like every team that Duke's played just never misses free throws, besides Virginia. Like I mean, seriously.
2: yeah,
1: It's insane to me, and it, it may, and it's a combination of good free throw shooting teams that are actually in the ACC, which is one thing they actually are good at, and just bad luck, I think. But at the same time, that's going to be a huge thing for me. And, and, you know, again, going back to McBride, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, was recruited to go to Kansas, went to Vanderbilt. Like, I mean, this is a high-major player. If he was a few inches taller, would be playing, you know, high-major D1. So he's an either X-factor. And, again, he, you know, ball screen defense for both sides really. You know, why, I mean, I think Duke could be very dumb to not, you know, attack, you know, get Vanderbilt in ball screens. He's not going to be able to stay in front of a guard like, like, like Roach or Proctor or anybody like that. He's going to hedge too hard. He's going to fa- – I mean, again, it's going to be so fascinating to me because these are teams you do not want to put at the foul in any circumstance. And who gets the bonus first is huge. I mean, again, if Vanders in foul trouble, that's not the issue right there. I mean, I think Duke should dominate the glass and score inside at will if that's the case. And You don't want to trade twos for threes, but I think it just makes your confidence level go up so much higher because, you know, again, he's not taco fall. And my concern, too, is in the NCAA tournament, they don't they don't call the fouls they do in, in the regular season. I mean we talked about this earlier today with Taco Falcon made it like nine fouls and got called for five them. <laughs> so like I mean that that's my thing is, you know, are they more susceptible to call these, less susceptible to call these due to it being the tournament? I, you know, we'll see. I think Ryan makes a good point, you know, drive the ball at him, but again, he's he's just 75. Those guys are just going to block shots cuz they're 75. I mean, it's not right. take any skill at all. I mean, you're 75 and you walk straight, you're going to block shots. So, you know, again, it, the foul, the foul, foul uh, trouble, foul shooting is huge. And really, ball screen demons for both teams, I think, is going to really decide this game, you know, the entire way.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And just talking about this is making me nervous. And nah, no. <laughs> uh, I'll be honest, I would be nervous anyway, but um, I, I am lucky enough to be in. On vacation currently in in Florida, so I'm only two hours from Orlando, so I will be at the game. Which even just thinking about it is making me nervous. I got nervous when I was buying the tickets; like it's it was ridiculous. So, um, so let's let's end on a on a good note. What does Duke have to do in order to win this game tomorrow? This open ended for anyone. If if you go want ahead, me, Nick. to – yeah, go ahead. Uh, but I was I would just say.
1: Make jump shots, and yeah. be the aggressor, and I would say you have to start fast. This is not a team you want to get down on from the jump. Um, and again, we talked about Ryan brought it up, not being not being able to put away teams, and then Dan you know brought up how they were actually able to do that and close out well, you know against Pitt. And is it is it you know them evolving? Is it Pitt quitting? You know I, I, we're going to see. I think, but starting fast making jump shots, and like I said, I mean, I think getting them in foul trouble, a team that's not deep, that's not as talented as you, is is just so big in tournaments like these because, you know, we've seen it time and time again. A team hangs around for 35 minutes, guys get in foul trouble, they run out of bodies, and they just – they can't hold up. So that to me is is what it's going to take is – the jump shooting is going to be massive. I do think Oral Roberts is going to play some zone here. So, I mean, guys are going to get shots, you know, Whitehead and even Mark in the corner – you gotta Duke knock was them down like you have been. You gotta Duke knock them down. was like great bad. against the zone. They were exactly. great against the Syracuse zone. So yep. you gotta that's- knock them down like you have been. And I think that's that's gonna be huge. And I think part of it too, why we're so nervous, ma'am. Me and you, and I I know Ryan, I'm sure you got the same <laughs> sentiment. But it's because oh, when is Duke like when have we ever gone into a game really recently at all where it's like oh Duke's not gonna win the first round? Like it's never even been like right. a really a thought, even when it's happened to the Mercers and Lehighs. I mean, sure, you're, you're scared of guys like McCollum, but it doesn't really cross your mind that you're going to get upset, as, you know, as a 15 seed, just as Kentucky last year. No one thought that was going to happen. So, you know, most of the time, you are just going into the game like, you know what, you know, just don't be sloppy. Put them away early, and you're going to be on to the second round. Yeah. This year's different. I mean, it's just it just is. And, you know, it's because they started slow, and Shires even talked about it. You know, maybe it took a little longer than he would have liked, but, it, you know, it is what it is. And it really does bother me though that the Virginia game literally dictated if Duke was playing, okay. being a four seed right now, and we knew it was going to happen. But Whoa. that's just yeah. that just bothers me. But anyway, back to the game. Yeah, I mean, I think everything I said, I fully believe in, um, and it's got to knock down shots and be the tougher team the entire time. Um, similar to how the teams like Houston and St. Mary's were against this team earlier in the year.
0: Yep. And and I'll I'll add to that that I basically have the same thing. Play the if you if they play the way they've been playing, they'll win it's mm-hmm. playing it's it's that simple but more specifically like you said jump shots i'll just say you have to make threes you have to make threes in order to win really any game in the tournament it feels like because it's so guard heavy mm-hmm. winning in march so they'll need that they need to make threes and then you have to play good defense without fouling. well yeah. pretty that's pretty much it and then my my one aside is don't forget about flipping the post because I love flipping the post, even though it can be frustrating when he turns the ball over. Because I don't know about, about you guys, but like when he turns the ball over, I get like more annoyed than when somebody else does. And I don't know if it's just the way that it looks when he does it that he looks so out of control. It's but... the same
1: turn every time it's behind the back, he loses yeah. the ball, or he puts his head down, shards it over somebody every it's single so time with one of those two things.
0: It's so ridiculous. Predictable. Yep. But, but if let's say like, whoever is guarding him if it's van over like um like let's let's see what he can do in the post because flip has shown like he went up against armando baycott and and did well in the post and obviously two completely different players but you're talking about two skilled centers there so um that's just that's just what i like that's that's what i want to see as well and then sort of play play out of the post he's shown an ability to do that lively shown an ability to pass out of the post so i i like that offense ryan what you got i covered it man i got
2: nothing i i'm like certain the more we talk about the more nervous i'm getting and like today when i was on the (laughs) lockdown podcast i left it feeling very confident and now i'm like it's like the wheels are spinning in my head. like, Oh man, maybe I should be nervous. And like looking at some of this stuff and yeah, I got nothing left to add about all Roberts. I, uh, I, hope, I hope after tomorrow I never have to think about them again.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we'll, we'll finish off this podcast with something fun. It's not really going to be completely Duke related. Um, but I do encourage everyone who's listening. Cause I know there's so many people just listening um, to take our, take our advice, obviously uh, for both of you, for Ryan, for Nick, who are your give me two upset picks that you have this year and then uh in the tournament and then who do you have in your final four so two upsets and then your final four we'll start with ron nick you
2: go first man oh, oh i'll no. go first all right uh
0: here here's
2: here's the tough thing is like i i'm looking at my bracket right now it's not like completely submitted I'm, my plan is to do it after this and like go through it maybe even change up a little bit so i'm not This is uh, subject to change. We'll put an asterisk on it. Preliminary. Um, But my first one that I feel like most Duke fans are going to have is Furman over Virginia. Uh, That one, like, if you – I told Dan this before we started recording that, like, if you pay attention at all the college basketball this year, like, Furman, I'm pretty sure if I remember right, like, their pace of play is, like, the opposite of Virginia. They can hit shots. Like, Virginia is just this this perfect team that is set up for an upset right now. They can't score worth a damn. So, um, that's my one – Another one I have that, like, I, Kent State over Indiana. I just, I've watched Indiana play a lot this year, and they are just the most inconsistent team I've yep. ever okay. seen play. And I just have no faith in them. Uh, but I could also see them making it to, well, I, the fact that they're a Big Ten team, and I'm so biased against the Big Ten, like, makes me not believe in them even more. So, Kent State over them. Um, some other ones that I could, like, you could dabble in throwing out there is VCU over St. Mary's, is one. Yep um uc santa barbara over baylor is one that i've like contemplated in my head taking just because Bayer uh hasn't played that well as of late um and uh, ucsb slows the pace down a little bit which is like anti what i said about virginia and you just never know what like a team a sneaky team like that could do but anyways and then right now my final four which i literally changed up this afternoon is currently alabama duke texas and gonzaga um, and I have Duke beating Gonzaga in the national championship. Um, I think Gonzaga, they're also in a nine-game winning streak like Duke, but they're on one where like literally no one's talking about them right now. And they've been, I know they're in the, the WCC, but they are dominating every game. They dominated St. Mary's in the the championship game. They still have Drew Timmy. They have a bunch of NBA players with Strother. and I can't think of their whole roster right now, but they're they're a good team, and I think they might be one that sneaks up on people. And I chose them over Kansas just because um, I, Kansas as of late has been a little streaky. Grady Dick hasn't been playing as well. Obviously, Jalen Wilson is really good, um, and and the point guard uh, is really well is really good as well. What's his name? Juan. Um, for who? I forget so his name now. Kansas for Kansas. Their no, little point DeWan guard. I, I didn't know what you said. Juwan Harris. Yeah, thank you. So they're obviously a really good team. I, I'm just gonna pick the when you're doing these brackets. you've Got to be a little bit different. So I'm gonna go Gonzaga right now. That might change a little bit. Um. So yeah. Uh, to recap: Alabama, Duke, Texas, Gonzaga, and Duke beats Gonzaga in the national championship, but Love with it. an asterisk because we'll see what happens in the next hour after
0: this. Love it, Nick. Who you got?
1: Yeah. So Ron took two of my upsets. So I, I already had to bet <laughs> Furman and Kent State. So we're on the same page there. Um, one one that I think is gonna maybe surprise people that I just I just don't see it with this team is Kansas State. I mean. They're complete opposites, home and away. Their splits are quite frankly terrible on the road. Yeah. Um, you know, they played Montana State, who I think I, I think I had in some brackets upsetting Texas. I don't think I fully comprehended how good Texas Tech was last year until the Duke game. And I watched a lot of them, and I feel like you know they're always playing after Duke on a big Monday, whatever. But anyway, so Montana State over, you know, Kansas State is, is one um you know that I think could be could be interesting. Um. The other thing is, these aren't really upsets in the first round, so to speak. But I think, you know, a team like Creighton's going to be Baylor. We already talked about, you know, Baylor, their struggles recently. And I think, honestly, Arkansas is allowed to be Kansas. I don't think Kansas had, is – is. I mean, I don't – Kansas did not like very that. good. At it. But if you remember our talk earlier this year, Dan, I was not someone on this team at all. They have no depth and no big man. I don't think they're a team that's built to win six games in six – I get it. It's the Big 12. I understand how good they are. They've won so many close games that were coin flips that they should not have won at home and on the road against again again i get it's the big 12 but too concerning for me the bill sells stuff hopefully he's okay I he was gonna coach but that's that's not a good sign either so you know again i think t- the talent there is good enough arkansas um you know we'll upside kansas but my, my final four is and i think it's hilarious every year we pick bracket like how i pick up several and my number one brackets always terrible like it's always the one <laughs> i'm like oh this is gonna be the one and then yeah. I have my bracket that's yeah. I, number five is like the best one. It's like, oh, okay, of course. But I just decided that I'm just going to pick the teams I don't trust ever. So, like, my final – UConn's in my final four. I mean, they're dangerous. Cool. But every year – I've said this for, you know, the past few years, I've liked them and they've you know, choked. So, sweet so what happens there. So, I got UConn playing Houston. Um, Houston's just – they've been the best team all year. So, you know, that's what I got. On the other side, I got Bama again. It's just a talent thing. Um, it'll be a good – them in Arizona will be an awesome game if that happens. But okay. it's just a talent thing. I think the draw is not bad. I don't see anybody in the higher quarter beating Bama. Um, and, again, I mean, I got questions about Baylor. Arizona's good. Creighton's talented but up and down. So, And then I got Marquette coming out of the East. Um, again, I don't trust that team ever. But they've just been so consistent this year. Similar to Kansas has won some games they shouldn't. But, again, they're dangerous. They're athletic. They, they force turnovers. Um, so – I got Bama, Houston, the championship. I got Houston winning it all again. They're just the best team, I think. Top to bottom, Sasser being injured, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think he's questionable for tomorrow against in North Kentucky, who is going to get absolutely walled. Hopefully, they can pull it out. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> I think we know the final score is going to be a forty-point beat down, but nonetheless. So yeah, I got Houston
0: winning it all in my in my uh, first bracket. All right, love it. Daniels so yours. my my upsets, I have Furman over UVA. I don't have too many upsets. I don't think I'm gonna rethink Kent State because um, I believe my my lovely Ohio Bobcats lost to them in the uh, in the Max semifinals and it was a, a close game back and forth. But I also could be getting that wrong. They could have played somebody else if I it was either if, them or Toledo. It was one them I or Toledo.
1: But yeah. Kent State's dangerous. They don't, they they played Gonzaga and Houston to the final buzzer they're, on their, at their place. They're, they're dangerous.
0: They're good. So I may I may choose them. But the one that was kind of my slam dunk from the beginning was Charleston over San Diego State. Mm-hmm. I I just liked that matchup right away. I know that Charleston had one of their best seasons probably ever. If I were if I were to guess, but mm-hmm. I remember them being ranked earlier in the year. They're just someone that. I looked at and was like, okay, they, they made it this far. I, I like where they're at. And then um, that's those, those are the two main ones that I have are Furman over UVA and Charleston over SDSU. And then my final four is like eerily similar to Ryan's it's Alabama, Duke, Texas, but I threw Kansas in and I don't trust Kansas. I want to say that on this podcast, I do not trust them, but I didn't trust them last year. And I looked at their side of the bracket, and I was like, this can go so well for them. If it, it, can, if, it yeah. if it, goes the way that I sort of think that it might, then I look at this and I'm like, all right, I can see Kansas winning each of these games, and then they have a chance to be back in the Final Four for the second straight year. And we're looking at, like, two teams that – like, I still can't get over last year's Kansas team. I still – like, they had a really – at least it seemed like easy road to the oh, Final they Four. They paid them back this year, though, because, yeah, that was ridiculous. I mean, that was the easiest oh, I've ever seen. That was unbelievable. And, and hey, they won a national championship. I'm very happy that they did. That's wonderful. But um, <laughs> it, it looks the same it, – it looks similar to, uh, to me this year that I can see them coming out. So, again, it's Alabama, Duke, Texas – Kansas duke over texas in the final um i think i had that game being in the 70s scoring wise so
1: um damn i look like an idiot You guys are picking duke and i'm sitting here like just looking at, like trying to win a <laughs> trying to win a bracket Dude,
0: challenge and, and trying you're to You're pick picking them. marquette just to just to go at me well Tyler i'm trying Cohen. to
1: get someone where it's like if duke doesn't win i have someone to fall back on like, it's a yeah, bracket
2: one you know so yeah. i i'm i'm never but, yeah, I always tell myself like, I, if I the year I don't pick Duke is the year that Duke wins it, and I would have won a bunch of money if I would have chose Duke. So it's like at this point, I'm just I unless honestly this was gonna be the first year I wasn't gonna pick them until they had this nine game winning streak. Because like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pick them if they're like a, anywhere probably below like a seven six or seven seed like yeah. to be realistic. And yeah. so uh, the one thing I do I, I found funny Nick was you're upset being possibly Montana state over Kansas state. Cause I have Kansas state getting beat by Duke in the elite eight. Um, and, I, and it's, it's, it, it's a lot to just, it's one of the things where it's like, I try to be a little bit different. Like I don't have a real reason behind it. Just based on the fact that I wanted to pick Montana state until I, I remember that I stayed up until like one in the morning watching them and their conference tournament go to double overtime and only scoring like six points in both overtimes combined. And I was like, there's no way in hell you're beating a power five team in the tournament. If you did that and made me stay up that late to watch, and so I have, that's my revenge against Montana State is it. that Kansas State's gonna <laughs> Kansas State's whop them. So
1: yeah, I mean, I, but. Montana State honestly plays big for for a mid major team. That I mean, again, I, I don't yeah. feel great about it. Honestly, I think UK got a good draw too, but honestly, I mean, you look at these teams that have talent; they're just dangerous. I mean, every single time, even if they play bad. And even UNC last year, they weren't. I mean, they played well down the stretch, but I mean, they had they had you know four stars and five stars on that team. They're they're you know these teams are dangerous,
2: you know. So anytime, yeah, I can see, like, I could see four teams coming out of that bottom half of the East. I can see it being Kentucky. Oh yeah, I can literally see it being one from each of the, those those first games. I can see it being Kentucky, Kansas State, Michigan State, or Marquette. Like any of those teams could come out and face who I was hoping is going to be Duke in the Elite Eight. But if you think about it, like from the the top side of the bracket, I can see it being. Three out of the four. Like I don't, I don't believe in Tennessee. I think there's. I'm still debating on if I have Louisiana beating them. Um, Memphis. I, I have Memphis getting or beating Purdue. Yeah, I don't I have, have any faith sure. in dangerous. Purdue. So. Yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like I, Duke's bracket is so winnable but also so like up in the air as to who could come out of it that it's just hard to pick, which is why I kind of like having a five-seed win in it. So. Um, yeah, and it just wow. happens to be our squad. So It is we'll that see.
1: weird year, though, right? I mean, But nothing will ever see. Duke had that draw similar back in the Tatum year off the AC tournament and literally a broke one no. of them, and then they lost to a team that was terrible because. that I don't want to talk about anymore. So let's end on a better note. Dan, please have something you better to say.
0: Something to say. better to yeah. say
1: if anyone's if anyone's going
0: to the game if anyone's going to the game hit me up hit hit up ryan because um he'll he'll let me know we'll see it um come say hello i'll be a nervous wreck so i'm sorry in advance but uh i'm really excited it's my first tournament game um i've always said that like i don't know if i want to go to a tournament game because there's just so much pressure and i know we all have a friend that like went to the final four last year uh, shout out to Dennis. Cause I know he's listening to this. Um, because he, w- I mean, he was at the final four game, which sucks. So sorry, sorry, bud. But, um, no, I, I'm really, I am really excited for the game. I have like a two hour drive to get there. So there'll just be like a pit in my stomach the entire way there. And it's, it's going to be a great time. I got decent seats for a decent price. So I'll be behind the basket by the Duke bench. So t- keep a lookout for a kid wearing the blue polo sweet man yeah enjoy it
2: cheer mom for us and uh yeah thanks for you guys for letting me just jump in here randomly i was like you know what, i should yeah. go on there one of these times i haven't been out absolutely. in a few years so it's about time to make an <laughs> appearance so we'll definitely do have to make it more of a
0: thing and do it again soon absolutely all right for nick porus ryan loman i'm dan labriola thanks everybody for listening and we will catch you all next time